HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This piece was brought to you by Roberta's, robertaspizza.com. I'm HRN's Executive Director, Katie Mosman-Wadler, with a preview of this week's episode of Meat and 3, our weekly food news roundup. Last month, Hurricane Florence walloped parts of North Carolina. According to the Weather Channel, it was the wettest tropical storm to ever hit the Tar Heel State. So how did the restaurant industry respond? Some helped FEMA weather the storm, while others got to work feeding people on the ground. We just walked in and said, we know how to cook, what can we do? They said, I need you guys to just cook 150 pork loins, and we were just like, uh, okay. (laughs) Now the attention needs to be on Florence's long-term effect on North Carolina's farming community. The general mood of farmers is one of certainly resilience and almost feels like it's the normal course of business to just get hit by a gigantic hurricane and need to just keep on going. So tune in to this week's Meet and 3 on Heritage Radio Network, available wherever you listen to podcasts. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm Damon Bolte. My name is Souther Teague. Souther. Hey, buddy. What you doing? What you drinking over there? Nothing yet. Well, I mean, I have a red and white dynamite. You got of like five bottles in front of you. Never less than three. <laughs> <laughs> Whose Instagram is that? Robin Flashdance Nance. Flashdance Nance. Yes. She has an Instagram where she posts pictures of her drinks, and it's never less than three. Never less than three drinks in never front of her. <laughs> She's like a glass of wine, maybe a highball. Certainly, there's water in there. There's a cocktail. It's like. Just never-ending brunch. Kind of. That's that's the lifestyle she lives. Like I never. Uh, she likes the I was, variety, you know. And I I get it. As palate yeah, confusion, like, it makes sense. <laughs> palate confusion, sure. That's it's palate exercise. Sure. You just got to make it stronger, you know. Yeah, man. Lifting a lot of weights. Um, yeah. Remember, we, uh, recently we had uh, uh, our buddy Paul Finn from Austin, Texas, from the garage. Of course. Yeah. So uh, I, I was talking with him about. Uh, <laughs> like there's this place called Frank in Austin. It's mm-hmm. like a big like big restaurant and bar and like uh it's it's obviously like a bunch of hot dogs. Um but like kind of like fancy hot dogs. It's, it's like the Frank, I get it. It's like the uh You love puns. The like Criff dogs like on steroids. It's like huge. It's like and it's got like 
on cocktail bar program and everything. They've got this really awesome coffee program at the end of the bar. And I think the most, what I'm getting at is the most drinks I've ever had in front of me at one time was, I think, six. And I was there. Because I was just so excited. Um, maybe it was seven. I was hanging out with Adam uh, Adam Harris from Maker's Mark. Right. He lives down there. Yep. Um, so uh, we were meeting for lunch, brunch, rather, and, you know, Dr. Pepper's made in Texas. Yep. And so they have the Dublin, Dublin, Texas, they have the Dublin Dr. Pepper, which is basically like the, the sugar cane Dr. Pepper, like, you know, like Mexican Coke kind of equivalent. Dr. And, Pepper uh, from the source. From the source, yeah. So I was like, I was looking at the coffee program. I'm like, man, they're they're really killing it with like, they're like latte art and everything. So I had a latte, and then I had Dr. Pepper, and then I had because it's Texas here in Austin. I had a Lone Star. Yeah, buddy. That's three, and then it's my favorite uh, hammock beer. Yeah, and then uh, of course I had a water, sparkling water. So Topo. I hope. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Topo Chica. <laughs> so okay, we're at four now. And then, yeah, then we had, uh, there was three other drinks involved because uh, they do a Maker's Mark. They do like a, a bacon-infused Maker's Mark for their Bloody Mary there. Of course. And then we were talking about doing uh, a special like flight where you do like a pickleback along with that. And it ended up being seven drinks in front of me. Nice. It was awesome. Nice. Felt like a king. Well, yeah, Everything's bigger in Texas, though, you know? Well, we got a lot of things on the table here. So, yeah, you we, got a cider and a water. I got a beer. And then there's a whole bunch of this, uh, what is this? What are we drinking today? I don't we, know. We got Johnny Schiller in the studio today. Welcome to the show. Thank you, guys. From Thank you. Caravero. Caravero. You got to say it like it's uh, you're on a soap opera. Caravero. <laughs> Caravero. Oh, you're going deep with it. Right? Caravero. Yeah, well, it's the whisper. It's like a prayer. <laughs> ah, Caravero. <laughs> right? So, okay, we got a bunch of Pisco in front of us, which is cool because the last time we... You... Before me. Oh, yeah. That was before you were born. Um, it was back in 2012. <laughs> 2012. The, the apocalypse year. Um, <laughs> it was episode 49, I believe. And um, we were we were talking about Pisco in depth. I know we've definitely had people on the show kind of pop in and out, like, you know, bring in like a Pisco punch or something like that. But we are today we are focused. Yeah. We're focused on this. So why don't you tell us about Caravero? Caravedo, sure. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, listen to the way he says it. Pisco, Caravedo. <laughs> pisco is a um, pisco is a fantastic expression uh, from Peru. It's uh, one of the for me. It's uh, the spirit is very singular, very unique, uh, in the sense that um, it has a, a lot of singularities that really separate us from. I'm not bragging. I'm uh, I'm trying to. These are facts, baby. Uh, lay, lay sure, it down. these are facts. <laughs> trying to convince the oh, ice. No, I think that it's, this is really important because I feel like pisco is kind of like a misunderstood. For how long category. it's been around and for Dale, how popular it is, Dale DeGroff calls it the oldest spirit of the New World. That's how long <laughs> it's been made <laughs> since the late 1500s. Believe it or not, yeah, yeah. that makes sense. And our distillery, La Caravelo. Starts so like since have, Dale was a kid. <laughs> yeah, so he was very young those days. He remembers. <laughs> he was still playing a banjo. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the um, the fact is that like uh, Caravedo is a distillery that dates the the document we have is 1684 when the purchase was Mr. Caravedo, which was his name, purchased the property in 1684, the 14th of October 1684. So this year, 14th of October, what's today? There, we're a couple of days from now. We are going to be 334 <laughs> years old. Wow. Look at that. Right. Producing Pisco continuously. 
So there might be some distilleries that are older than we are, but we are continuously, we document it, continuously sure. producing distillery. Pisco, you asked, 2012, you had the first Pisco 101. Pisco is, uh, is, is uh, again, facts. The facts are very simple. Singularity. First, it's distilled from grapes, from wine, and not from pom- pomace. Mm-hmm. It's not done from skins and stems like a grappa, like an orujo from Galicia, like a Dresden in Germany. This is made like a cognac, like an armagnac, or like a Jerez, um, a sherry from, um, a, a brandy from, um, from, from Spain. Yeah, yeah. yeah, a brandy from, from Spain. So we are made from wine. Second singularity, copper pot stills, one shot at the still. We cannot pass it twice, like cognac, like whiskeys, like rums, like tequilas, like vodkas, like yeah. nobody else. So it maintains a lot more character. Of course, mm-hmm. no rectification. You don't lose anything out of mm-hmm. it, right? We keep everything inside. Three, distilled to proof, like a couple of your oh, cast yeah. strengths and this is where bourbons. That is singular. Yeah, this is in where in the world of brandies, that's unique. And that's right? also speaks volumes to what it is you do. Sure, you got to know how to pure, target that proof. Pure fruit, and you have to target that proof when the grapes still on the branch, on the plant, on the vine. Right, because you have to have your sugar content measured there, and you have to know how the whole process is going to work. That it ends up at eighty-six proof in your bottle. Right, right, because there's no way you can mess a little bit yeah. of water, a little bit more, a little bit less water to put it where you are. Right. Yeah, that's crazy. And the fourth is no wood, no oak. Right. Why? Because the singularity of the eight Vitis Vinifera grapes we are allowed to use, each one, like a wine, like a Cabernet Sauvignon, like Merlot, like Malbec, each one has a basket of aromas proper to each cepage, right? So each grape smells different, tastes different, is a different expression. Those four things makes this product, Southern, absolutely singular in the whole back bar that you have in your bar. Yeah. Completely unique. Completely unique. Fair. One might have one, one might have two, but none of them have the four, right? Okay. Outstanding. That's Pisco. How long have you been how long your have position you been doing, as master distiller? But also, how drink, long have you been doing voiceovers? He's <laughs> yeah. got a better yeah, voice than I have. I, both of us. <laughs> That's it. Show's been, over. I've been <laughs> 30, good run. 35 years into Pisco, but I can share with you that I have had a TV program in Lima for eight, nine years on the air. What? Nine years on the air. Every Saturday what night, prime Francine time. didn't tell us this. <laughs> every, every Saturday night at 7.30 at night, prime, prime time. time. Saturday nights? Yeah. Oh, man. Prime time Saturday nights in Lima, nine years. And all I had to do was drink. <laughs> That's how I got this show. Yeah. Uh, cool. Okay, cool, we're going to sidetrack for just a second. What is your show about? It was called Por las Rutas del Pisco, on the roots of Pisco. And you did uh, a show a about Pisco yeah, for nine for years. For nine years. I visit in the country that Pisco is made. Don't forget, we have 480 distilleries down there, and then we have a lot of bars. And then I traveled. I went to San Francisco, I, I, New York. I went to Spain. I went everywhere filming programs. If you do anything with Pisco, I would film you. If you cooked with it, if you washed the windows of your car with it, whatever <laughs> you did, I would film you. Right? It was pretty cool. Yeah, very cool. <laughs> well, I've been into Porton. We purchased this property in 2009. Who's we? We is uh, Bill Callop, a Texan, uh, who had oil ventures in Peru, sold them, and decided to invest in something that Peru needed to promote. And uh, he looked me up after seeing you know, all the TV shows. I've written three books on Pisco. And uh, the, uh, he called me up and said, hey, uh, Mr. Schuler, I've been following you for a couple of years. I've got a proposition. 
you are the Pisco <clears throat> so-called, I don't know why, expert. And uh, I have the money. Why don't we join forces and we go for it? So, so sure, let's do it. The first thing we're going to do is going to buy this property. Why? Because it has, you have, to, you have to look at it. You have to see this. This is an architecture made of adobe. It is the press. It is the macerators. It's the fermenters. Everything by gravity. It was, you know, the grapes in those days were thrashed by horses, not by men, right? Sure, the circular yeah. lagares were for horses. The square ones were for people. Ours is circular. Everything grows by gravity because in those days there was no electricity then, mm -hmm. right? So you had to make it everything by gravity like today. So the new distillery that we designed in 2010, everything works by gravity. There's no pumps yeah. to move my wines around, right? Until the finished product, then we sure. pump it in. But this is the beauty. So 2009, I said, we have to, we must buy this. Why? Because I showed them the document. Look at this original register that exists in the archives of Ica. And it says, the 14th of October of 1684, Mr. Caravello buys this property and he has to pay in grapes, raisins, and pisco. <laughs> Look at that. Isn't that fantastic? Says, Why? Because I want the product. I'm not worried about making the product. I will know how to make the product. I want something to back the story, history, tradition. I want my Pisco to reflect Peru and its 300, 400 years of production of Pisco. So we need this property. We could have done it anywhere, but we purchased that beautiful La Carabedo. This is why the, the product carries the name. When can we visit? Yeah. 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 We're on our way. To come. Come I'm already back in my February, February or March is harvest season. Yeah. Everything happens. Winter over here, pretty cold. Come on down. Bring your yeah. bathing suit. We have a beautiful swimming sure. pool. Summertime down there. We're harvesting. You can make a beautiful program. Several programs down there. All right. Let's do it. Sure. <laughs> on different subjects. Equipment. There's a lot of I things almost, to film. I almost went down for harvest season like two years ago. Unfortunately, I, my passport had expired, <laughs> so I totally missed out on that trip. But it's always been on my mind to go back. Oh, it's beautiful. Have you ever been, Southern? I've not, no. So we should get down there. Um, but I want to talk more about the stuff itself. So Pisco, it's very... Pour some out, man. Well, we're about to. Their glasses are closer to you. <laughs> yeah. What do we want to taste? Where, where should we, you tell me where we should begin. We, we should start with this one here. Yeah, okay. Because in the world of Pisco... He'll do it. In the world of Pisco, yeah. we have to understand that there are... <clears throat> we call it categories. I think it's styles, types of Piscos. Uh -huh. Piscos puros. Puro doesn't necessarily mean pure which is a literal translation in Spanish. Puro, for pisco producers, it means that it's distilled when the wine is dry. Fermentation is complete. We've put the must into a tank. We let the natural wild yeasts attack the sugar. They convert all the sugar into half a molecule of carbon dioxide, the bubbles in champagne, and half a molecule of, of alcohol, potential alcohol. The more sugar you have, the more alcohol you're going to get. That's where we begin to get the 43% of alcohol that we can get in one shot and still, right? Because mm -hmm. the heat of Ica, the sun is so hot in the desert that it evaporates the water, concentrates a lot of sugar. Right? Oh, then we have puros, which means distilled when the pisco from the eight grapes, distilled from the pisco is when the wine is completely dry. I need about 8 to 10 pounds of grapes to make one bottle of those. Then we have acholados. 
A cholado means blended in the style of the cholo, blended as the local vineyard worker, hand worker would do it. At home, he picks up a couple of grapes, crushes them, makes his own little pisco to make, right? In his style, which means blended. And the, th the other category is called Mosto Verde. Mosto Verde is the ultra premium type of pisco. If I needed about 10 pounds to make this one, I need about 20 pounds of grapes to make that bottle. Because it's distilled when the wine is still sweet. Gotcha. So I haven't converted all the sugar into right. alcohol. I need much more fruit sure. to make the same amount of juice, right? Same right. amount of alcohol. We call it juice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So do we. we call it juice. So, do we. so to, make, to make the end product, we need the double amount of grapes. But in turn, this is the ultra premium. It, it gives you an added of all the... Of all the uh, everything you perceive when you do your tasting... This adds viscosity. It has a little more weight, right? Right. So we're going to drink. Now, the first one we're going to try is Puro de Quebranta. Quebranta is your mission grape in California. Mm. That's the first grape that Spaniards brought in. Marquez de Caravantes brought that grape in 1550 to America. Brought it down to Peru. Because uh, the, the conquistadores were followed by bunches of priests, Catholic groups. Mm -hmm. And when they arrived in this continent, they found there were no grapes. No grapes, but no wine. No wine, no mass on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Surprised they didn't turn around and get out of here. <laughs> no grapes? We're out of here. They should have gotten out of here. Pack it up. They would have left us alone down there. <laughs> Pack it up. Oh, we were, no, the Incas were doing pretty good, so they should have left them alone. But they, they did. They ran back and they went down to the Canary Islands and they brought the Listang Negra from the Canary Islands. They planted it over there and it grew abundantly, which is today your mission grape all over South America and California. This is the Quebranta, the most popular grape. Puro de Quebranta, right? Cool. Single distillation, wine completely dry. Cool. When it goes into right, still. Let's try it. This is uh, 82 proof. It's nice and dry, but it's still got a lot of florality. Yeah. Green, sure. A little bit of green apples, a flower. It has some, you know, some, for me, it has a little bit of what are dried aromas. It goes into banana skins, it goes sure. into the laterals. I find a little bit of chocolate. I find. Yeasty, bready, yes. everything dry, nothing too perfumey. Sure. No, all the aromas go towards the dry side aromas. Banana is a dry aroma, it's not a sweet aroma, it's a dry aroma. Chocolate is a dry aroma. Bread is a dry aroma, right? Yeah. I, go, I go down that way with, with this type of pisco, right? But if you feel the, the, in the nose, the alcohol content is not burning, it's no. not strong, no. it's very smooth for the potency it has, sure. it's very, very smooth. And it's very smooth in the palate also, right? Yeah. Oh. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of weight. So this is, this is what we have, we call Pisco Puro de Quebranta. The, the other Pisco Puro category is Mosto Verde. The, the uh, Aromaticos. In this case, this is a Torontel grape. We have four grapes that are considered not too aromatic. Quebranta is one of them. And we have four grapes that are considered a bit more aromatic, or a lot more aromatic. Torontel is one of them. If you take a smell now, what do you get? So wait, let me pause for a second. Each bottle is multiple it, grapes. No, each grape, each, each bottle mono is monovarietal. Each one is one grape, 100% okay, right, one grape. There we go. 100% one grape. All right, I got a little confused. I've had a few This is Torontel. This one definitely has more. The aroma here is more like kind of olivey, grassy... Fruity, citrusy. Yeah, citrus. We're going into brighter for sure. Skins of citrus. Is that higher? This is probably skin higher. of tangerine, yeah. limes, lemons. 
Higher ABV? No, same ABV. Really? Oh, yeah. wow. same. It's just like kind of a little bit more open and yeah. kind of gets... But thick, see right? how the aromatics right. change from the first one? Yeah. How popular is Pisco in, in Peru? Pisco is in our music. Pisco is in our poetry. Pisco is in our painting. Southern Pisco is in our dance. We can I can send you CDs full of Peruvian songs dedicated to Pisco. It's, it's crazy. We uh, celebrate a kid's birthday or the day a kid is born with Pisco. And we mourn our grandfather when he dies with Pisco, right? It's it's in our blood. That's not surprising at all to me. I, I saw play, that, actually. I play in he's a country the, band. I, the, I have a billion songs about yeah. whiskey. Yeah. 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 Uh, so it's, it's, in, it's, in our, it's in our system. It's in our tradition. And unfortunately, or fortunately, whatever you can call it, it even goes to, almost leads us to a very, very terrible argument with our neighbor in the South, right? Right. Because uh, as I try to explain to everybody, he says, uh, Pisco is a Quechua word. That originate from the Incas. In the, the Quechua is one of the three official languages of Peru. It's still spoken by 80% of the population up in the Andes, so it's official language of Peru. And in Quechua, Pisco means small bird. That gave the name to a, a tribe of artisans that made a pottery that contained Pisco. And uh, that gave the name to a valley, Valle Pisco, that gave the name to a river, a Rio Pisco, that gave to a town, Pisco Pueblo, that gave the name to a port, Puerto de Pisco. And the port of Pisco gave the name to a spirit like cognac, like Armagnac, like sherry, like so many other spirits that take the name from the port from where it sure, was shipped. Sure, yeah. And to inform my friends in the south, Pisco is in Peru. I think they haven't read the maps or haven't been to geography <laughs> yeah, yet, yeah. but Pisco is in Peru. Of course. So that's what gave the name to, to the still to the product, the spirit. So Pisco is the, the is in the poetry of Peru and in yes. every in, in everyday life. So let's take a break and hear from our sponsors, and we'll come back just a second and talk more with Johnny Schuler about poetry. My name is Brandon Boy, co-owner of Roberta's, a super duper awesome place. Roberta's is a very, 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 very proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. And we are back. You're listening to The Speakeasy on Heritage Radio Network. And in the studio today, we have our buddy Johnny Schuler of Caravero. Caravero. <laughs> Pisco Caravero. We're drinking some uh, Pisco. The poetry of Peru. The poetry of Peru. The music. The celebration of Peru. Yeah. Um, so... We were talking off the air just a second there. If it's it, it's such a popular thing and it's in part of every bit of your culture, how how do people enjoy it? How do, how do they take it? How do they well, take this medicine? It's it's uh, let's let's break let's break the, uh, the the country into customs traditions and so all the five states that produce pisco, which is Lima, Icarigipa, Moquegua, and Tacna on the coast of the Pacific Ocean on the desert. They have the tradition of drinking pisco neat. Yeah. Right? Originally, don't forget, when the Spaniards brought this product, when they started distilling back in the late 1500s, there were no mixers. There were no nothing to mix with. So, I mean, they would have mixed it maybe with a little bit of fruit juice to make it. But it was like a brandy. And I would think they were sitting in a bar or in a cantina or a saloon somewhere in the middle of nowhere in Peru or Bolivia. I've been on this, warming up with a good hefty glass of straight neat pisco. Yeah. Right? And then 
when the migration began to happen, the Chinese came down, of course, Europeans, Chinese, Japanese, we have a huge influence of China in Peru, in our, in our mm. cooking also. Then they began to change traditions, right? I would think that the second popular drink was the our Capitan. Capitan is an expression that means captain. Nobody knows what it's called. There's a lot of uh, researchers that uh, have done looking at books. and Dave Wondrich can't figure it out. And they still can't figure it out why it was called a capitana, not a general or not a cor coronel, right? A colonel or, or a general. It's called a capitan. This is an inter Italian import. So it goes back to the 20s, 1920s. When the Italians came down, they took the pisco in one shot glass and then they took their vermouth in another shot glass. Bomb with the chaser, right? Pisco, chased it down with vermouth. And that slowly boom, went into one Cold martini-shaped glass with a sliver of orange peel, very cold, and it turned into a fantastic cocktail. Yes, right. Look at that. Damon's gonna make one. Well, now. He's gonna make one now. The right? bar, the bar finally gets used. So that that is a capitan, and that for me is one of the most beautiful. Is a Peruvian it pre, Manhattan. It, it predates the Manhattan. Yeah, it predates the Manhattan. It does. So I think people say this is a copy of the Manhattan. No, we predate. So we we go really far back, right? With this. The other one is a very nice drink this time, this type of weather, by the pool, your barbecue, your friends, but you're going to need about a case of pisco to do it. Of course, Caravilla is going to, you have to really stack up. It's a Chilcano. Chilcano is a long drink. Yep. Tall glass, a couple of bucks of, loads of ice, good shot of pisco inside, a little bit of bitters, and <laughs> salute. Yeah, I get it. I get now, it. Now mix them together. So I just, did. I did it in my mouth. Oh, no, you did it in your mouth. Now, so now make just, a cocktail. So I didn't, didn't want to like muddy up my glass. <laughs> he just uh, did a pisco chaser with with an old bottle of Campari. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I don't know how old this, this bottle of Cinzano is, but it still tastes pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But I was explaining that the, the, the other one is the Chilcano. Chilcano. So it's ice, pisco. Lime juice, drop of bitters, and ginger ale up to the top. And this goes back to the 30s. So today, it's picked up again, and it is really, maybe today, with a young crowd in Lima, the most popular cocktail. Because they're doing it with macerations, with infusions. So you can make your Chilcano with anything you want to put into a bottle of infusing. But the original one you just listed is basically a Moscow Mule. The Moscow Mule is today. Made with Pisco. But we did, don't forget that we originally, we made it with original ginger. Sure. Kyung is called yeah. brew, but we made it with fresh ginger, right? And we made our own uh, soda water from, from, from ginger. Right. Like uh, tonic water originally. So you beat us the out on bark the, of the tonic. The bark of the tonic comes from brew, though. You, you remember you, that? Yeah, yeah, you yeah beat us, the, totally. The fever right. tree, yeah. You beat, us, you beat us on the Manhattan. You beat us on the, the Moscow yeah. Mule. What else you got? Well, don't worry. <laughs> but don't, the Chilcano, that's kind of... Don't forget we go back to 1500s. Yeah, right, right. The Chilcano <laughs> has become like a cultural thing, right? Yeah. The bars are set up to do... Yeah. Like, they have their whole program based sure. around the different flavored Chilcanos. I've read about this. All the infusions. It's really like, good. It's almost like the... like. Like Spanish gin and tonics, almost. Yeah. You know, like sure. how they've got all the different variations of the gin yeah. and tonic, but you're doing it with Chilcano. With, with Chilcano. That's, it's really that's very cool. big. Yeah. I like really. both of those drinks. Yeah. yeah. They're doing very well. But also the... Uh, I mean, like the Pisco Sour, like, well, let's kind of back up for a second here because, like, um, just kind of like to tie this into, like, kind of American, like, cocktails. Like, Pisco started, like, finding its way into the United States through San Francisco, yeah? No, Pisco Punch. Pisco Punch did. Pisco rather, Punch did. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That was in the time of, uh, the time of the 49ers, 1849, right? okay. when the gold rush yeah. comes in. 
Don't forget, there were no highways, there were no roads, there were no airplane, there was no train. So everything that went to San Francisco when the gold boom, when the gold rush happened, had to come by boat to the south. So the last port of any pickup they could do was the port of Pisco. Yeah. So that's where they loaded up their booze. Pisco. Yeah. Because they didn't want to cross the original San Francisco. The southern part of South America with the boats loaded. Right. right? With rum. Sure. So they waited until ready to Pisco, and then they carried brandy, a Peruvian brandy, Pisco. And then this is the bank exchange in San Francisco uh, that the Duncan Nickel invents this, this drink. But there's a funny story about it, right? Because it become very popular. He would only serve two. Right. It cost a quarter each. It was the most expensive drink of San Francisco at the time. And he only let you drink two. He wouldn't sell you the third. And nobody knows why, because it was the secret ingredient. And nobody knew his ingredient because he would go down to the cellar and prepare it himself. But those are the times. There's a little book that's called The Dust of Angel Wings. Right? So nobody knows what the dust mm. of angel wings. Uh, but yeah. we think that there was a product called Coca-Cola being made around the same time. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. With a product uh, <clears throat> that could have uh, originally mm-hmm. had a secret ingredient, right? So that's why you only sold twice, because otherwise you would hit the roof. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's funny right? how they... You know, in California now, it's the you know the opposite. It's just weed everywhere. Yeah, it's marijuana. They went from an upper to a, a downer. Yeah, over the past hundred years. Well, that's years. that's that's what the story. But that's really the first popular Peruvian pisco spirit cocktail made in the states. Right, it was very very big. Yeah. But then prohibition came along. But before prohibition, is in eighteen seventy nine, Peru had a war with Chile, and we lost, and they destroyed all our wine industry. So we stopped. We and then we, we got back. Now, mm. now we're in business. Yeah. Back in business. Back but, in business. But wasn't there like, so what's your take on this? I'm not going to name any names, but like, there's some Chilean pisco out there, or I had never heard of them. Because or... <laughs> <laughs> I always, I always think of pisco. We call them some Chilean destillates. Peruvian pisco and Chilean destillates. <laughs> Right, because there's some proprietary notions, right? That's, that's, right. That's, they say the same thing, right? Chilean yeah. Pisco and Peruvian Desolates, right? Yeah. So, yeah, let's talk about that. That's been going on for a long, long time. Well, and is there any resolution in sight? Is there going to be any kind of DOC laid down? I don't think so. I, I, I think we're getting into Is into it friendly a fire at this point, at least? <laughs> I think, um, I think uh, it's going to be very difficult. <laughs> I, I sell my product in Chile, and I cannot call it Pisco. Chile is a very, very important market for me. For my products, and they're called uh, Las Aldavas. It's not even called Carabedo, it's called Las Aldavas in Chile. But it's the same product in that bottle and the same product in this bottle, red bottle. Same, pr- same product, but a different name, because there's too much of a, um, a little bit of that, right? A little yeah. bit of infighting. Yeah, so. But I don't think it's going to be solved. Don't forget, there's an economic reason there. Peru produces 10 million liters of Pisco, unwatered Pisco. Right. Chile produces 35 to 40 million. Watered Pisco. Gotcha. So we go down to alcohol. They produce Chilean distillate. 20 Chilean distillate. Right? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for the correction. I almost made a mistake there. <laughs> we'll edit it. Right? So when you go to the uh, OMC, uh, Oficina Mundial de Comercio, and you say, hey, uh, we want our name back. and says, how much are you talking about? He says, 10 million liters. And they, 40 million. Come on. Right? Sure. Go where so, the money is. Yeah. Sure. Go where the money is. So go, go with the we, go to, we go to uh, the IOV. Oficina Internacional de Viña del Vino in France. And they say, okay, you guys solve your problems, and then you come to talk to us. 
But Champagne got it uh, against uh, Spain, right? Sure. Spain has to call it Cava. Mm -hmm. They won. And then, then Jerez won against England. Sure. Right? Yeah. And Tequila beat uh, South Africa, right? Mm -hmm. So why, uh, well, nobody knows. We know. It takes, yeah, uh, it he, takes, he made uh, the money sign, people. You know the thing where you rub your thumb together with your finger? <laughs> right? So uh, we're, we're there. The fight, uh, is there. the fight is there. Let's taste the next one. Yeah. I go to the product. The next one we're going to do is the acholado. Acholado. All right? And that means... Again, in the style of the cholo. The cholo. The, the, this is the, the field worker. The style of the homemaker. Oh, the uh, field, the field worker. worker. Okay, got the it. vineyard handler the, the, and his style. And which what he did is the, the owner of the vineyard would harvest his quebranta for his pura quebranta, his torontel for his pura torontel, and he would harvest all his individual to make a 100% monovarietal pisco, right? And then he would leave on the branch whatever was left were the grapes nice. that were picked by bees or grapes or that were a little bit uh, rotten or, the, or that were broken or whatever, and he wouldn't bring them. So the cholo, the field worker, would say, Oye, patron, hey, can I uh, pick up what's left? I said, sure. And now this guy only wanted to do was a lot of pisco. He didn't sure. care to make his specialty of one of quebranta, one of... So he mixed everything. And he, nobody realized that this guy was creating complexity. Sure. He was adding different grapes with different aromatic structures, creating something magical. Yeah. And that took the name in the style of the cholo, acholado. It's not in the dictionary. So what we're drinking now is a blend of these two. But a blend is not very easy to make. A blend. I just did it can with, in my power. mouth with, with vermouth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now you want to take the two bottles and try it? <laughs> no, we've talked about that many times on the show before. You know, the, when you talk about scotch, when we talk about the difference between single malts and the blend. The blend is the harder thing to make. The oh, blend yeah, is the yeah, most yeah. complicated thing to make. I go down to the distillery every Tuesday. And uh, my... Uh, Maitre de Chez, my jefe bodega, Carmen, a young young woman, a young lady, has about 40 glasses. You're welcome to come, huh? About 40 glasses. Because the week before, I would say, okay, we're going to start with the profile of last year, and then you're going to add 3% to this one, take 2% to that one, add 4% to this one, this, and then you go that way, and from here you take 3%, 5%, and you go down that way. So I less aromatics, more aromatics. And then I, every year... I decide to pick which is the blend I'm going to bottle for that year. Mm -hmm. In the basic profile of what I have here that you guys like, right? But then it's very complicated because sometimes I go, oh, jeez, this one, what a, we messed it. Right. <laughs> and it's four gold medal winners. But just because you put a little bit of each doesn't make the magic going to happen. Doesn't make them platinum. No. Right. right. <laughs> Four goals doesn't no. equal platinum. So this is what you have to do, by anyway, by blending and tasting, because it's very difficult to acholada pisco, right? Yeah, but also the interesting thing to note on that is that the different, like, bricks levels and densities of the different spirits, sure. when you start blending them, they it changes the density of the overall product, and then it changes the aromatics, yeah. and then you're, you know... The whole factory starts before you hit your palate. Yeah, of course. So it's really interesting. I mean, I know like with Hamilton Rums, they have their Jamaican gold and they have their Jamaican black. All they do is add caramel coloring to it. It doesn't change the flavor. It changes the density, which changes yeah. the nose, which the changes structure. the flavor. Sure. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it's pretty sure, interesting. It changes the structure. Three to one over there doesn't add six. Because hmm. you say, I'm going to put three of this to one, and when you add, oh, it didn't work. Right. right. So you have to be very careful how you're going to blend it. Here, for instance... 
I go a little bit more minerally. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Right? I was thinking like this would be amazing with oysters. Perfect. Yeah, right? Perfect. I love mm-hmm. minerally. The aromatic of the, the, of the pineapple and the spice of the uh, skins of the, of the limes have gone away. And the chocolate, the banana, and the bread is gone here. It's very difficult to find. Now, the first impression is mineral. Remember? Yeah. For sure. yeah. The, the, when we were in grammar school, we used to put a pencil in our mouth. Yeah, flinty. <laughs> flinty. That's the <laughs> yeah, word. for sure. Right? Flinty? For sure. Very cool. Flintstone. And then the fruit comes in through raisins, mm-hmm. and then everything else comes in, right? Absolutely. Dried cherry. Kind of dried like cherries. apricot. Hmm? Like dried really? apricot on the palate. Just, I don't know, that's me. It's yeah, delicious. That, that's the magic the of The story blending. of the, 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 the cholo is reminding me of... You know, I used to be a butcher and a fishmonger, and I would butcher the fish, and I had an employee who worked for me, and he would be like, can I take some of these fish heads? And I'd be like, sure, man. And all this time, I thought he was going home and making fish soup out of the fish heads. And finally, one day, I said, hey, man, how come you never brought me any of the soup? And he goes, what do you mean? And I said, you you going home making salmon head soup, right, or whatever? And he's like... No, man, I take these fish heads down to the docks and I catch crabs and other fishes. <laughs> like, okay, you're taking something right. I was going to throw away and making something better out of profit it. Profit out right? of it, yeah. sure, sure. Making a profit out of it really, and making something yeah. better. So yeah. these, these cholos would be on, on the field and yeah. they'd see the cold stuff, right? The stuff that's yeah. like not good enough to make the cut, yeah. but it's still viable stuff. Sure, fantastic. No more than that. And then, I do. But then what happened further down the road is then the, the plantation owner said, hey. holy shit, this guy's hey. on to something. Yeah. Sure. I'm going to follow you now. Yeah. That's what happened. No? And it's, it's beautiful. Just, this is delicious. It's really I think yeah, so it's far, it's my favorite. Oh, palette. yeah, same. It's, yeah, it's a beautiful blend. Yeah. This is like, as we move on, like I'm kind of going out of thinking what I want to do with it in a cocktail and think about more like, like traditional, yeah. just drinking it straight. Yeah. Sure. Or it's like, a beautiful drinker straight. Yeah. And I don't know if you guys smoke cigars with a cigar. This one. I, 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 I like how he pointed at you and said cigars. <laughs> cigars, well, I, Damon. You know what? I was just thinking when he said that, I was like, I think I have one stashed here somewhere. A cigar. But yeah. also, that's our next step. We've been building out our, our studio bar. Now we have to build I a humidor? We, we need a humidor. All right. Yeah, it goes very well. You know? Yeah, for it sure. Really, it really goes very well. So this is this is an HLL. I think it's, it's just my pride and joy. It's just... Do you want to talk about the fact that the label says a different word on there? Or do you want to skip over that? Uh, look, um, yeah, I think it's whatever, whatever. Yeah, I can I can mention so it. You got screwed, Southern, right? Basically, Southern. yeah. Uh, it's, the, it what says happened pisco is, portone on this label, which yeah. you don't make anymore. No, but you do make, make it. It's the no, same I juice. Make, I make pisco portone. I make juice. pisco portone. That's what I make, right? Pisco portone is the name of the product. Unfortunately, we were taken to court here in the United States, and an American English speaking judge. Took a final decision that for him, not knowing Spanish, Cavanaugh, <laughs> Portone and Patron are the same words. What he didn't understand that Patron means boss, head, and Porton means gate, door, big gate. Two words that in Spanish are completely different. In French are completely different, are pronounced differently in Spanish, in French, in Italian. And every uh, they're spelled Latin speaking, and they're spelled differently. <laughs> and, but this gentleman said, no, they, they are the same word, so uh, we lost a trademark. So what we decided there, Southern, is to put the after name. After nine years, you had a trademark. After nine years. Yeah. We've gone back and we put in the name of the bodega, of the hacienda. That's just In homage to, to our property, right? It's right. called La Carabedo. That's the name of the hacienda. 
La Caravedo. So we're using the name from the days back from 1684. Well, the name has more history now. It's, it actually sounds more sultry, so it's a win. All right. Take it so as this a win. Is All right, let's try that. Cool with oysters and a cigar. Yeah, I mean, right? that's that's just my bar. I'll, in a, in a cigar. A, in a clamshell. <laughs> now, guys, we're going to go completely to a different world. We're going different to try shape, it. bottle, everything's different. Yeah. Here. What's going on? This is uh, ultra premium. I make seven different types of that. Seven different marks of this. Seven different piscos. I make more. I make ten, but in the market, I have seven. This is an acholado of four grapes, but this is a mosto verde. This is the distilled when the wine is still sweet. So I need 20 pounds of grapes to make one bottle of pisco, right? Yeah. 20. Now, what you have here is you're going to be added another dimension to, to, your, to the product. Here, you're going to have weight, body, viscosity. It's going to have... Don't forget, the still, the still doesn't carry anything heavy. It's just vapors. Sure. Right? Steam. And then we condensate. But this steam carries a structure of sweetness because that grape had so much sugar. So what we do is I have engineers that come to the, to the, to, to the La Caravedo and say, Hey, Johnny, you know, you're losing sugar. You can reproduce all the still that you have because it's so sweet. All you did is take the alcohol out of it. It's wine without alcohol. And it's still a lot of sugar in there that we can reprocess and get sugar out of it. Or we can get uh, soft drink water, but we need vegetable water mm-hmm. because it's not mineral water. It's grapes, it's water from the grapes. Mm-hmm. That would be producing, right? Yeah. Pretty cool. Well, in the future. So what we're drinking now <laughs> is Caravillo. Always looking ahead at innovation. Caravillo Mostover. Johnny Schuler. Right? This again, this is four grapes. What do I have in here? I have 80% quebranta. 15% Torontil, aromatic, 4% Italia, Muscat, Muscat grape, and 1% Albilla. This is my, this I can drink <clears throat> plenty of. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> plenty. Yeah, plenty. This is that. great. This is, um, Sm- now this is, we've jumped up to 86 proof, 86% alcohol, okay. 86 proof, 43. So we've gone up about 10% alcohol from mm-hmm. the others. And it goes down smoother. Yeah, it's it's yeah, crazy. It's not yeah, softer. Eating up my chest. It's softer. It's it's rounder. It has yeah, more volume. It, right. Totally. More expression in the mouth. It explodes in the mouth, and the nose is absolutely clean. Yeah, it's coating. No aggressiveness from the alcohol. Sweet. Mm. All right. <laughs> I you know this is great <sighs> because I I haven't had. Uh, an opportunity to do like a like a vertical of pisco like ever you know have you Souther? no sorry no <laughs> i was leaning back taking it all in like this right is... yeah yeah this is really cool this is really eye-opening like the last time we talked about pisco what? on the show it was like we had one bottle of putong yeah which is six years ago by the way yeah and but we we made like a couple of cocktails with it and but it was mostly talking about like the history of pisco which this is Way more in depth, <laughs> by the way. Yeah. Thank you for sharing <laughs> yeah. with us. But like, this is a uh, this has been really eye opening to see all like how they vary so much just based on. But you were talking you were talking then about the subject of cocktail making, right? You said yeah. uh, mixologists, bartenders are using it as a um, whatever. They still don't realize that there's a lot more to it to the spirit 
than just a un- well, it's like wooded wood, spirit, right? When you read an old cocktail book from the 19th century and it says, uh, you make this with white rum. Yeah, sure. No it brand. Could, no, it could yeah. be uh, Spanish stuff. It could be, yeah. you know, British. It could be uh, yeah. like agricole. It could be like all these different. It, they vary so much, you know? So like you have to really like know which one to use. There's so much like. What's cool about it is a very subtle variation between a couple of them, but they there is like a spectrum that they, yeah. they go through. If you go if you go to like a you're going to see I have about twenty three different bottles. Yeah, there are twenty three different piscos. I have sixty different, sixty seven different labels, but I have twenty three different products. Yeah, right, completely different. Well, yeah, it, yeah, you know, I've used it. Yeah, going back to the idea of cocktails, especially like modern cocktails, I feel like a lot of people like top. Like, talk to us a little bit about this. You know, obviously the Pisco Sour is a very popular cocktail, and it's like kind of the 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 gateway into Pisco for a lot of like Americans, especially cocktail bars. What are some of the other ways you've seen it being used? Well, I, I love, for instance, I, I remember I think I was in Austin somewhere in Austin that a kid gave me a bartender, a mixologist there served me one that was uh, coconut water, porton, and I think it was violet, just a drop hmm. of some violet liquor. I was in heaven. I was in heaven. Sure. I hadn't had a drink so clean, so Well, that makes a lot of sense because it doesn't, you know, I feel like with it being such a a unique, delicate spirit that can get floral, you can get like really subtle like fruits out of it, to take something like coconut water is great because it's not too aggressive. It's not covering up the the spirit, you know. I think it's a great way of, of using it. But no, great. What? In Chicago, they were they offered me this this in the meat market. Somebody had a very famous restaurant for for his um, Bloody Marys, and he invited. Me. I, I did a seminar, and he said, "Johnny, I invite you for a Bloody Mary tomorrow. The best in Chicago, right?" Boom. We went over, and I tried. Very good, excellent, fantastic. But I said, "Let's go to the bar and I say, Joe, hey, let's play a game on your boss. Make him a Bloody Mary with your vodka, and make him a Bloody Mary with Porton. And honest to truth, God, I crossed my heart." He went up and says, okay, boss, take a pick. Guy took both drinks and says, this is ours. Wrong. Right. It was Excellent. Fun. So it has, <laughs> what it has is that character. Yeah. It's not, it's not, first, like I say, why I, if you're using cognac, when I cook, I'm a chef, I'm not a chef, I'm a cook. I don't like to call, be called a chef. I'm a cook. I own restaurants <laughs> in Lima. But I don't cook anymore. I cook at home, right? What don't you do? (laughs) (laughs) A lot yet. (laughs) Maybe I want to be taking over radio right now. (laughs) You already stole my show, so. (laughs) Oh, come on. (laughs) Radio, TV, master distiller, chef. When I flambe. Restaurateur. When I flambe, a crips is it. Everybody says, why are you flambeing with them? I said, porton. Why? He says, I don't want to add wood to my dessert. Yeah. Nice. Makes sense. Cognac. I'm not going to add wood to my dessert. I want fruit in my dessert. Of course. Right. Makes sense to me. That's what I say, right? right? Yeah. So this is when it goes the same. But when you sit, when you stand behind the bar, you're making a drink. What is overpowering? Wood is going to be overpowering. Sure. You want yeah. the natural spirit, and in our case, from well, my friends in the south, this has no water inside, right? Right. So this is strict, like any other that you have in the bar, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's very few that are distilled to proof, unwooded, and very none that are made from wine, and one shot through the still. It's this is the, the craziest one. part when you right? throw all those factors together and then it's you only have one shot through the still. That's, yeah. that's insane. It is yeah. insane. And this is what the <laughs> Frenchies, my French friends say, how can you do this? Even in Chile, they say, Johnny, it's impossible that you do this. Yeah. Just come on down, come to the distillery, look at it. I have no secrets. My, my stills are open. 
Come in and look at them. Well, not only is it not impossible, you're doing it, but We're it's also it. not impossible because it's been being done for, for so ages. long. I didn't invent yeah, anything. Exactly. I didn't invent anything. You perfected yeah. it. I did. I, I'm, I'm trying. <laughs> Southern, that's too, too much. I'm trying to. Every year doing better. So, you know, you remember John Aquino, right, with his natural blonde, that yellow tomato Bloody Mary mix yeah. from from, uh, oh, from cool. Charleston? That would be great with this. It's got a lighter, more sort of yeah. floral approach and fruity from the tomatoes. Yeah. What are you guys doing? What are you, I mean, you're here in the United States right now, I assume, is to, to march around and, and educate people. What, how are you trying to get education to the masses about well, Pisco's existence? I think in America, well, thanks, thanks by so being on the show, it's probably the best way. Well, I mean, thanks, that's, this show step first, one, that's, step thanks, one. No, no, no. <laughs> the, 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 Guys like you, I know you are in the business. You are, you are the, you are my best reference. You are the ones that are going to say, "Hey, Johnny was in the show the other day. I'm going to try this." He maybe came, no, but I'm going to do it this way. I'm not going to use his coconut water. I'm going to use guava, or I'm going to use whatever. There's so much fruit out there. There's so much to do. There's so much. Yeah. What I want you to understand is your 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 listeners to understand is that pisco is a good option to anything made with gin, vodka, rum, or tequila. But then be audacious. Do it whatever you want. Be yourself. Be a creator. Yeah. You make your drink. You could just yeah. sub but it. give us, give us a shot. Give us a try. Right? Yeah. You can just throw two ounces of this in the uh, Long Island iced tea and cut out those four spirits. You just yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. I mean, honestly, bang bang. I want to try that. Yeah. Oh. Easy enough. <laughs> so that's um, what we do. We're traveling. I travel a lot. I, I spend about I would say more than thirty percent of my time. Don't forget, it's not only here. My market is Chile also, sure. big. And my market is Spain, Italy, Taiwan, China, uh, Switzerland, France, England, so I, Canada. I go all over the world. I, this is what I do. I'm just part of my job. I, I'm 72 years old. And part of Don't my job it. is... Wouldn't, wouldn't have guessed. God damn. <laughs> it's the Pisco. It's the Pisco. I give up, man. Is it the Pisco? It's the okay. Pisco. It's like, the Pisco. You have to I, I drink just, a lot of it. I'm just like, my trajectory is going into your direction. I'm like, I, I might need to shave and like start making myself look younger. But like, no. but, See, that's, yeah, that's going to be your be magic you. trick. Yeah. When you finally get to the place where you're like, I'm looking too old, you strip it off and you're going to you're lose 20 years. No, yeah, exactly. No. I, it's strategic, man. No. I, I look like Gandalf right now. But, you know, I'm going to look like yeah, Harry Potter. <laughs> so, do you have Johnny? Do you have any um, social media outlets that we could talk about real fast? To... No, um, well, we do. Uh, we, we're everywhere. We're in uh, uh, everything. We, we're, we're doing. We. You got, I a, think you got an Instagram. And I have like an Instagram. Um, I think these guys can give you the card. I don't know what uh, Pisco Porton Porton. Uh, I don't have my glasses. What yeah, do you I'll say read. there? Well, you, you can read it. Read it. You've been sitting here saying nothing. CaravedoPisco.com. We're at Caravedo. Caravedo. <laughs> We're at Caravedo, oh. Pisco, and Instagram as well. Okay, and cool. on Facebook. Red. Easy enough. Very complicated. Yeah, easy enough. <laughs> Caravedo, that's C-A-R-A-V-E-D-O. Yeah. Uh, Pisco, P-I-S-C-O. And anybody has any questions, they uh, Google me up. They'll, they'll, they'll see Johnny Schuler in there. There's a lot of things, and uh, it's pretty cool. So, But this is, this is wonderful. I appreciate No, this is what we need. This is not only me. We are 480 producers in Peru, right? Distilleries. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of good Piscos in Peru. So there's not... Uh, but here in the market, we have, I think, from both ends, right? Unfortunately, uh, competition is price point is a very important factor for sure. a lot of the restaurant owners. So then they're going for the lower priced products, which... Price point competition is important, of course, to the bottom line, but the quality, quality is, is essential, is right? Essential. It's essential. Quality is essential, and that's my line. So the first thing I go, I'll go to your bar and I'll sit down, what are you using, that piece? Go, okay, I respect it, fair enough. Can you serve a glass of that, of yours? Sure. 
And here I have a bottle. Taste. Yeah. Down flat. Done. Yeah. End of yeah, argument. Yeah. End of argument. The Pepsi right? challenge every time. Yeah. So it's yeah. do, try it yourself. But then again, one dollar, two dollar difference on the bottle. Oh, uh, you know, it's uh, hey, come on. But what are you doing for your clients? Yeah. I, I, I always like to say that whenever I read menus, I always go blind in my right eye where the prices are listed. Oh, sure. Because yeah. I just want to order what I want to order. Sure. It's listed on the left side. And I want to read the descriptions of the dishes or the cocktails, and I don't, I don't want to think about the price, because, I mean, I, there's been a couple of times only remember, where, remember they, they used to be where so I got a bill for like way too, like <laughs> a, a, way, too way bigger than I wanted it to be, but at the same time, I enjoyed my entire experience. So of course, of course, it. yeah, yeah. You remember it used to be, maybe you don't remember, but there was a time when like you, menus didn't have that. You just fucking ordered what you wanted, and you got the bill. Yeah. Like at you know fancier places, but yeah. but but drinking drinking is a world of sensuality, of experience, of sure, beauty. Exactly. And the first thing when I go Poetry. to a seminar, yeah, I, I say the first thing, and I'm not embarrassed saying when, hey guys, you know, I'm sorry, I'm come here. But first of all, I'm a drinker. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm an alcoholic. I'm a drinker. I like to go and sit in front of You're this side of the bar. Eater. I want to be in this too. side of the bar. Yeah. And I want you to do magic for me, right? Yeah. <laughs> I want you to take a couple of those bottles and they're put in front of me something and it's going to drive me right out through the roof. I want to hit heaven. <laughs> Give me that, right? Yeah. That's what I'm looking for, right? Yeah, absolutely. Dude, this has been... It's been an excellent show. It's been an excellent show. And a, and a great education and, and what a charismatic guest oh, you've thank been. You Thanks, guys. Johnny. No, Anytime thank you're in town, please stop by the studio and love hang to. out with us. We'd love, love to. to have you back. Love to. Bring a couple of uh, special bottles from down there, too. We play around with different things and different flavors and different tastes. I'm not going to say no. Shout out to Francine Cohen for setting this episode up. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Thanks, Francine. <laughs> Hi, Francine. Thanks, Francine. Thanks, Francine. Thank you, Francine. Um, upcoming Regards. shows are, um, well, they're all over the place. So tune See, in. It's we the got holiday some, season. It's man. holiday times coming up. So we got some cool Books stuff coming. coming out, you know. Yeah. Busy. A lot of cool stuff coming up. Uh, a lot of cool stuff coming from you over on the West Coast, bringing us stuff back. A lot of cool stuff from my travels that are gonna, we're going to air. So. Great episodes coming up, uh, so stay tuned for all that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Well, cool. Johnny, thanks again for being on the show Very today. Nice. This has been incredible. Uh, and that's it for the Speakeasy this week. Check out Heritage Radio Network for many more programs. Like, not as good as this one. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Similar. they're also they're pretty good. They're pretty good. Um, yeah, so check out Heritage Radio Network for all the other programs that we have. And click on the beating heart if you want to donate to the station. And keep us on the air and having great guests like this and drinking more Pisco to come. Until <laughs> next week. Thank you. Salud. Salud. Cheers. Caravelo. Salud. Caravelo. Here's to you. Thank you, son. Thank you, guys. With your rock and roll load Knows that country music's gonna save your soul The devil them rhythm and blues That's him It's gonna get you some Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.